G'day, this is an abridged version of the episode that you can hear in full by signing up at uncomfortableconversations.substack.com slash subscribe. Enjoy the freebie. G'day, humans. Welcome to Safe Space for Dangerous Ideas. And here's a dangerous uh, notion for you. Uh, Imagine everyone who you know sitting down at the same time in front of their various television sets scattered all over the various cities where they may reside, and watching exactly the same thing at exactly the same time, every night, every week, for years. We understand this phenomenon now with sport and probably reality TV and a few other boutique shows that sort of get the zeitgeist, like Succession maybe, or White Lotus, but those things are flashes in the pan. They last for a few years and then they're replaced by something else. The phenomenon that our parents' generation lived through that only ended about 10 years ago where everybody watched basically the same small handful of things. And when one of those things was really successful, everybody was on the same page. Everybody was talking about the same show at work, at school. That is something that it's quite hard for us now to wrap our brains around. But today's guest is a person whose importance in the history of American broadcasting, it's difficult to overestimate because he was at its pinnacle at precisely the time when everybody was watching Dick Cavett. Dick Cavett started his show, well, let's go back further. He started out as a writer on the original Tonight Show. This was before Johnny Carson. This was when Jack Parr created the the late night show format that is now done by all the Colberts and the Kimmels and the Fallons and so on. Jack Parr created it. Dick Cavett was a writer on it. Out went Jack Parr, in came Johnny Carson. Dick Cavett was writing for Johnny Carson, for the great, late Johnny Carson. He was, he was given his own show in 1968, the Dick Cavett Show, and he became kind of known as the thinking man's uh, talk show host. He was more sophisticated. He was the kind of place where Groucho Marx would come on, chumping on cigars, and then he'd have a He'd have a a long dialogue with Noam Chomsky about philosophy and books, and then he'd end with some huge big band number. I think the show used to be like 90 minutes long or something. It was a triumph. He was friends with Stan Laurel of Laurel and Hardy. He was friends with Groucho Marx. He was friends with Woody Allen. His show ran in various incarnations on various networks for 40 years, almost, and ended in 2007. Uh, One interesting tidbit of this is in addition to his celebrity. He was incredibly notorious in the 1970s with the Nixon administration. Uh, In June of 71, his show featured a debate between John Kerry, the future senator and presidential candidate and uh, Vietnam War veteran who was opposed to the war, and uh, John O'Neill, who was a fellow veteran who was pro-war. And O'Neill had been approached by the Nixon administration to work through the Vietnam veterans for a just peace, to push back against John Kerry's influence on the public and try to foster more pro-war sentiment among the American public. And the debate went pretty badly for the pro-war side. John Kerry wiped the floor with them. Dick Cavett presided uh, (laughs) majestically over the whole affair. And then when Watergate happens and the White House Oval Office tapes are leaked, are released or obtained, uh, you hear President Nixon saying, well, is there any way we can screw Cavett? That's what I mean. There must be ways. And Haldeman, who's his White House chief of staff, says we've been trying to. 
Uh, if you go through the the records of the White House, the the Watergate records, Dick Cavett's name comes up twenty six times as Nixon rails against him, because Cavett was repeatedly highlighting the wrongdoings of the Nixon administration on his show. That's just a little interesting tidbit. There were many such tidbits in his illustrious career. Uh, he hosted the biggest stars of music, film, and TV. He hosted seminal political debates. And as you may or may not know, before I was a radio host and podcaster, I was a television host. And I lived in New York for the majority of my professional life. And on one of the TV shows uh, I did there, I welcomed Dick Cavett to the couch. It was a huge honor. Uh, enjoy this uh, never before heard rendition of the TV segment that I did with the one and only, the legendary Dick Cavett. More than 35 years, he hosted The Dick Cavett Show, interviewing the biggest stars in the world, from Marlon Brando to Groucho Marx to Woody Allen, Muhammad Ali, Lucille Ball. He co-hosted the Emmy Awards with Bill Cosby. He's been nominated for at least 10 Emmys. He won three. Dick Cavett is here, a talk show host from a time when that actually meant something. When, it, when not every monkey on the street corner had it. I look around, I was watching some of your stuff earlier today and I was thinking about all the talk show. You've got Conan, you've got Ferguson, you've got Letterman, you've got Leno, you've right. got Fallon, you've got Stewart, you've got Colbert, you've got this rinky-dink little outfit we got going. We're well, on the internet for crying out loud. Back then there were Years ago were three I did a lecture and as a joke opening I said this is going to be about how to do your talk show when you get it because the Rand Corporation has proved that by 2004, this is how far back I did this, uh, everyone in America will have his own talk That's show. That's right. And now it's true. And now it's true on YouTube that it actually happens. Kids don't get any thrill out of seeing themselves in pictures because they have all their lives on fig mm. cams and stuff like that. The so, world has changed, and not always for the better. And have you noticed how many wonderful people are dying this year just to put us on a bright note? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, David Frost, we just lost David Frost. Frost, Speaking yes. Of talk show and why is it never Dick Cheney? Well, that's not very nice. <laughs> well, come on, you it'll be soon enough. He, the man doesn't even have a heart. He's got some <laughs> electronic machine in his chest just thumping his blood around, that corpse, yeah, that living it, corpse. And what it cost us. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's your show. Yes, and, it's, and you're the guest. So let's go back to, I'd love to start, you know, when you were sort of in your early 20s, 1960, you're living here in New York City. You're working yeah. as, a, I think, a typist or something. You're doing magic. You're doing little bits. Of, you're, you're an extra. If I'd asked you then what your life was going to, become, be? would you have said, I'm going to spend my life hosting a talk show? I, I guess I would have said it's probably what it's going to be now. I sneak into television shows and watch Jackie Gleason and people like that whose names need a footnote now for the young viewers. Mm -hmm. And um, then I work as a copy boy at Time Magazine for $60 uh, a week. What were your ambitions? Who were your heroes? I want, my ambition was dumb and simple. I knew, though I loved Nebraska, and more since I left, my ambition was to be in show business. Now, what did that mean for you at the time? Did it mean vaudeville? Did it mean television? Did yeah, it... I, I guess I pictured it mostly actor. I made rounds as an actor. I made rounds. I got my eight by ten glossies because uh, I was told you have to have them. You I do. You still resume. do. I, say again. You still do. Well, I say, yeah, you know, true. It's like one but of those. The, the worst part was once I took my 8 by 10 glossy into a prominent casting director lady, and she said, how nice to have you here, and thank you, and please leave your picture. And as I went out the second door, I could hear my glossy hit the wastebasket. <laughs> <laughs> so then you started writing, right? You started writing for, for Jack Parr? Was that the, yeah, the first real gig? Yeah, that, that was a, a, a case of chutzpah 
uh, a word I did not know in Nebraska, <laughs> where I briefly... Happy Rosh Hashanah, by the way. Well, oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, ganz richtig. Isn't that a ganzemacher? You're talking to the wrong Jew. Oh, wrong I'm Jew. sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I boldly took a monologue to the host of The Tonight Show, a huge star. And just to remind Luck people... was part of it. This was massive back then. I mean, this was... Jack Parr's Tonight Show was the precursor to Johnny Carson's show. It was really the first... Yes. Well, after Steve Allen, it was the first major incarnation of a talk show that everyone in the country would sort of sit yeah, down it and really watch. Was. Right. Jack owned the, the term talk show in those days, and he was the king of that, and the world was in his hand, and when I handed him my monologue that I wrote for him in a corridor where he had just come from the men's room, Jack claimed I chased him into the men's room and gave it to him, make it a better story. Uh, if I had not done that at that moment with that accidental timing, and if there had been security at NBC as there is now, I would not come up the back elevators, knew where his office was, and you would feel silly sitting here talking to an it, empty couch. It would be very boring, wouldn't it? But It'd you can do it, me. man. I tap dance. <laughs> Josh, I have some, faith you can I'd do eat anything. I'd some kosher foodstuffs. I'd read. I'd read aloud from And I love books. what you've done with the place. Isn't and your, lovely? Look your, at this. Your, I crocheted Your crochet these work is absolutely prize-winning. That, exactly. This is uh, cashmere. That's good. I'll have another daiquiri. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, I feel kind of funny around you. It's, oh, why is that? Well, I decided whether or not to wear a jacket. Oh, yeah. And I, because I like the informality of the look of this whole enterprise, yeah. I, I thought the, like two out of three of your friends out here did not have them, but I, mm. I feel kind of funny without one because I've almost always worn one. You want to take my Would jacket? Would you mind if I... Of course. Oh, wait, your take mic's on it. We right. better do this I'll next take, time. No, no, I'll, take, I'll take the mic off. That's oh, God, really? Right. Yeah, sure, of course. Oh, take, right. take my, yeah. take my Could you show me this in gray? This is, uh, <laughs> uh, I think I, oh, my IFB is also on, but that's all right. I can oh, wait, wait, I, I've caused a, I've the, made a yeah, botch you've made, of you've things. Made, you've, made, you've, made, you've ruined everything. Oh, take my jacket there. I never thought you would give me... <laughs> the chance of uh, <laughs> we're nothing doing if not we're nothing if not professional here. How do I look? It looks quite quite oh, dapper. Now I look feel nice. Hang on, let me just get the uh, the, the collar here. Yeah, yeah. Great oh, shirt. Do you mind yeah. if I have that shirt? <laughs> See, I've got to ask you. I've got to yeah, ask you this. Yeah. Watching the show, watching the channel, watching mm -hmm. the as whatever the new term is for things that you watch. I call uh, it a streaming talk thingy. St streaming talk is good, yeah. yeah. It sounds like screaming talk. A streaming talk. But people have said to me, well, why do they picture, where's the picture so little? How many people watching us now, as I did not until this morning, know that you can take that picture and blow it up to full size? You can blow it up, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, hopefully a lot of people know, otherwise they're going to go crazy and we're going to hurt their eyes. Don't you think probably a lot of them are watching us as Lilliputians now on that screen? I don't want to make you feel old, but I feel like the younger generation would get it. They'd click on it and then it'd be bada-bing, bada-boom. It'd, be, it'd be big. You better know. How would you make me feel old? Because I'm implying, I have to be old I'm implying. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move along to yes. the Tonight Show. So you then okay. start working on the Tonight Show, right? And you were writing for Carson in his heyday. I mean, was there a point during all of this where you thought, Holy moly, I've made it. I'm actually making it. I'm actually working on the biggest show in the world. Absolutely, land. and shrewd on your part to ask that. And the great, great comedy writer David Lloyd and I were way back then said one day at the back elevator, if Mephistopheles would appear now, we would make a Faustian bargain that for the rest of our lives we would make $360 a week, which was our 
fabulous salary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it probably wasn't bad back then, right? It wasn't bad. It was good. I, I, I can't do the math of what 360 in 1960. Well, it's pr I mean, it's is, certainly right? thousands of dollars a week, right? Yeah. I would imagine. Um, and later, I worked for Jerry Lewis for a time, and I heard my manager on the show saying, "My client doesn't work for a thousand a week." Boom! And I want to get him back. Of course, I, don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I work for three sixty. Sure, I will. Uh, and, <laughs> and this he was got a time. Twelve hundred. I mean, this was a time when you were in, you were meeting and working with Woody Allen and Groucho Marx, right? And Stan Laurel, I read. You knew Stan Laurel of Laurel and I got and to Hardy. know Stan Laurel. I hope young people know who Stan Laurel. Well, is. Well, I do because Laurel and Hardy were always on in my. They were my yeah. dad. They were my dad's heroes, so they were yeah. always on at home. When that door opened to his apartment in Santa Monica, and there was a nice elderly gentleman in a tie and white shirt who said, well, lad, it certainly is nice to meet you. I got cold again just now. <laughs> and somebody said, you pointed out in your blog about it, your line was, my never having met Stan Laurel was about to end. Mm. The door opened. Yeah. It's amazing. Wonderful and man, very intelligent, smart, strange to see him that way, and to be sitting and talking with him and thinking, this is the man who pushed the, the piano up the steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all these the, classic old black yeah, and white comedies. Yeah. And so the, in the late 60s, 68, you're in your early 30s, and so all of a sudden the Dick Cavett show, or maybe not all of a sudden, how does that even happen that ABC comes to you and goes, let's you know, do this? May I call you, John? You may call me Mr. Zepps. <laughs> Professor Zepps Esquire, uh, the third. I learned three years ago how I got a talk show on ABC, and it was silly. I did a pilot that was a crummy pilot, five parts following some star's story, and ABC hated it, but they liked the kid and thought maybe we should try him on our experiment with a talk show in daytime. Mm. And I went from daytime to nighttime, and, and here you and I are. Here we are. What about comedy today? Are we putting people to sleep talking about the history of comedy? No, I don't think so. No. I mean, we'll get there. The smart kids know their Marx Brothers. They know yeah. their fields. Well, at the very they least, their... they're aware of the legacy, especially also of the talk show, because, I mean, the talk show, as I was sort of facetiously saying earlier on, has proliferated into so many different incarnations now, and there are so many of them. But they're all essentially modeled off the same thing. I mean, they're all essentially yes. modeled off that show that you're working on, Jack Parr and Steve Allen and Johnny Carson's yeah, and, and incarnation it's a of The Tonight simple show. phenomenon. People chat and talk. And, and you so were just saying before we dreadfully. went to air about the... Some are awful. Which ones, which ones do you hate? Oh, I hate that woman with the... Oh. Chelsea Handler? We're not on, are we? No, we're not on. No one's going to watch this. It's only the internet. You can say whatever you want. Uh, but uh, who don't you like? I, 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 if I, if I name people I don't like, it would take too long. And if I name some who are well known that I don't like, since I know them all and they all think I'm I'll tell you their what, friend, I'll tell you what. I'm going to say, I'm going to say some names. Awful. And if you like them, you can nod. And if you don't like them, <laughs> you don't have to do anything, and then you won't be saying anything. This is called the sucker game anything. segment of yeah, exactly. the show. Yeah, exactly. No yeah. one will know. No one will know. Okay. Uh, Dave, I'll, Dave. I'll do three for you. Okay. Uh, Conan O'Brien. Oh my God. Um, are we on? <laughs> <laughs> As they always say on talk shows, Conan is a dear friend. A dear of mine. friend of mine. Okay. Yeah. Good. Point and taken. I, I li I've been on his show and I had a good time with uh, him. Jay Leno. Who? <laughs> He's the current host of The Tonight Show. What was his name? Jay Leno. Oh, Jay. Yeah. Jay is a funny guy. We go way back, and I did a bad thing once. 
I told how once we were doing a radio show together and he got a call from California, there's been an earthquake. And like any husband, he went quick to the phone and got his wife and said, honey, did any of the motorcycles fall over? <laughs> Very good. He's an insane Now, I know Jay will laugh collector. at my telling Yes, me. yes. Yeah. Uh, how about um, um, Jimmy Kimmel? He's up and coming kid. Mm. I love I mean, Kimmel. He, he I, I was on a show with him, and um, uh, but let me quickly insert the, uh, that I love the other Jimmy too. Fallon. Uh, I think Fallon is a giant. You know? Really? Yeah, he, he is. He's growing into it as he ages. He'll be even more interesting to watch because he's got everything you need. He's got humor. He's a mimic that's brilliant. He's got musical knowledge. Uh, he handles himself and his guests beautifully. I, I just think he's terrific. Interesting. Always like that. Now, you mentioned Kimmel. Um, I was on his show, and there was a lady from one of those shows that has lots of women in the cast, and I don't know who she was, unfortunately. And for some reason, Kimmel pointed out to my surprise that I was chewing gum. And I may go into back psychiatry, but I took my gum out and put it in her glass of water. <laughs> now, I have no idea why. I got great credit for a comic bit, but I didn't mean it to be. <laughs> uh, speaking of lots and lots of uh, talk shows proliferating, uh, Arsenio Hall, who I normally think of as being someone who Bill Clinton went on the show and played saxophone in the early 90s, who can is, coming, it, yeah. is coming back uh, on TV. What are your thoughts about us? Oh, is Arsenio coming back? Yeah, he's coming back. Good. Yeah, he's good. He's yeah? Good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you haven't named but, any of the people I hate. Okay, that's good. Chelsea Handler. <laughs> Who? She's on E. Oh, oh yeah, that oh, was my favorite. <laughs> we actually have a comment uh, coming in from one of our producers, Ricky Camilleri. He sometimes fills in as a host. He says, John Cassavetes is one of my favorite filmmakers. Were you expecting him and the rest of the cast of Husbands to bring the chaotic tone of the movie onto your set? I have a clip of this. Uh, this is Peter Falk, Ben Prepare Gazzara, okay. John Pre Cassavetes, mm -hmm. and they gave you quite a hard time. Let's take a look. I'm not going to look. Let's go back to the part where I've always been great fans of these three guys. Um, <laughs> Did you have a question for me, Dick? I want to. <laughs> if Peter you have know... anything to ask, feel free. <laughs> Does Peter know how this works? I'm... Peter knows where he the knows camera exactly is. exactly how it works. <laughs> hey, did you improvise a film or what? I'm going to make it. Did I story. personally improvise? No, the three of you. Do you do, do, you do certain things you mean by now? And, and what, what? Seriously, now. Yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you mean by improvise? I mean improvise. I m p r o v i s e. That, that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> that's the common misconception. What, what do you spell it? P o r v i s e. I don't know what you. <laughs> Go ahead, Peter. Well, answer the question. Save the man. What is you the can't let him die like this. <laughs> we, uh, Thank we... you for picking one of the worst memories <laughs> of my entire life. I mean, uh, part of the art of being a host is being a ringmaster in situations like that where everything is falling apart. What, what was going through your head? They were acting uh, stupid and drunk, and it wasn't entirely acting. Mm, yeah, uh, I think that pretty well covers it. I, I love all three of those guys, but they mistakenly assumed it would be funny to come on the show pissed, as they say in Britain, or mm -hmm. as the French say, chiffast. <laughs> and uh, it didn't play well, and the audience got disgusted. And at one point, I said the honest thought, which got a laugh. I can't believe it. on this very stage, 
Seven days ago, I had Alfred Lunt, Lynn Fontana, Noel Coward, <laughs> and look what I have tonight. An interesting fact, afterwards they went off, they thought they were funny, and their director just reamed them and said, you have probably unsold half the tickets we might have gotten for this film, if not more. Or... I hope you had a good time. Yeah. And they were not. like three kids going, really? Oh. <laughs> Or it was great. I mean, any publicity yeah, is good or. publicity. I mean, when you're in situations like that, you were kind of, you've always kind of been known as an intellectuals sort of interviewer. Oh, of the you've got to fight you've that. Been, the minute I mean, that word comes up, but but that's but that's something you, you were always critically cross one eye <laughs> and do a you were always funny sort of you were always critically acclaimed. You were always like, and this was an era when talk shows did. You know, I mean, Johnny Carson would have Carl Sagan on, an intellectual. I mean, there was a. Do yeah, you, well, I wonder what you think about talk shows now, which. Johnny was no dummy. No, uh, right. And uh, because he graduated from the University of Nebraska, for one thing. And <laughs> but that, do you think it's yeah. dumber now, I guess is my question? But I, I don't know if that attitude is still around or, or, or what, but uh, being hung with the word intellectual, uh, and in my case it had to do with I didn't know any better than to think you have to read the guest books, so I did. Mm. Uh, and I'd read a 400-page book and do eight minutes with the guest and think, what a nit. <laughs> uh, I was to do this, but um, it's a it's a it's a bad word. Also, I feel a little sorry for, may I say, a country that you thinks may. I'm an intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> Have they ever seen one? <laughs> well, uh, better you saying that than me. I always get hate mail. Yeah, I know. Are you a foreigner of some sort? I am. I'm an Australian. Yeah. Oh no. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's take a look at another memorable interview. This is Brando, one of my favorites of yours. I, I saw this years ago and I thought it was incredible. Brando is discussing basically your job performance. He starts turning it around and he talks about what it takes to be a host. This oh, is June yeah. of 1973. I'd like to see I that. don't think I could play the role that you're playing now. But this is me. I'm letting it all hang out. No, it's not me. <laughs> it isn't. This ain't me. I mean, I, I think that you... I mean, you're thinking of 60 things at once. How is it going? Is it getting dull? Is he, is he upset and distressed and inarticulate? Is he, uh, uh, is he bored? Is he offended? Um, yeah, here's a good time for a joke. We haven't got much time. That you, you're thinking about nine million things and reacting to what I say. And is that how's that going to be? Is that going to be offensive? No, that's good. So you're doing this, this editing at an insane rate and uh, I mean and, and you have to do that and that's your job and you have this demeanor of of uh, levity and lightness and uh, amusement and zest and uh, and it's, it's it's easy to ascertain that that finally isn't what goes on in your mind or your feelings at all I just feel like all my clothes have been taken off <laughs> that was my favorite moment from that show I said, um, the movie The Godfather, did you think it was going to be such a great success?